The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out podcast listeners my guest on talent talk asia podcast today is sahil kuka now he's the senior consultant of banking and financial services at ambition singapore um hi sahil how are you very well, Andrea. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on my um, number three podcast. <laughs> number three podcast? Number three. <laughs> Why, what other podcasts have you been so, on? So, number one is probably The Daily by The New York Times. You know, keeps me up to date um, <laughs> worldwide. And the second one is a podcast called Stuff You Should Know. Okay. So, I just got like all kinds of different topics. So. And the third and one? The third and one, one is one, you. Right. I, I thought you said you'd been <laughs> on other podcasts, as in you were the guest. No, I no, thought, no, now you're just showing off. One, two, three of podcasts. Got you. Right. Understand. Okay, so for for those regular listeners to Talent Talk Asia, you'll remember that I had Sahil's boss, Michael Nett, on the podcast previously a few months back. Now, he was sharing his views on being a successful tech recruiter in Asia. So we were actually in the same same room. (laughs) Now, I thought it would be great to have yourself on the show, Sahil, because I've tended to have a number of um, guests that are a little bit more experienced. And there is a number of listeners out there that message me constantly and say, look, great, I really enjoyed the show, but is anyone a little bit more out? level. Um, And so I thought it would be great to have you on the show because we do know that you are probably the most um, energetic of the (laughs) consultants in the Ambition office. Um, And I thought it would be really good to just get your sort of take on um, how you face coming into the recruitment industry as a a little puppy. Um, And so today's uh, podcast is called um, What I Wish I'd Known on My First Day as a Recruiter. Now, what made you, let's just, let's kick off. Um, What made you decide to get into recruitment? in the first place? Um, so I think kind of going into uni, um, like most people, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just picked something. I kind of had a bit of interest in something generic. So I picked economics to go into. Um, so that's what I was doing oh, quite um, an easy in one, uni. Then. Not really. It was basically <laughs> math at the end of it, which was a bad idea. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so I was in college and I had done like a couple of internships within like banking financial services back in India. Okay. I use the term internship pretty loosely. I mean, nothing really exists very kind of like a proper internship back in India. So it wasn't probably the best way to get exposed to the industry. But so were you making coffees then and um, doing loads of photocopying? <laughs> <laughs> mainly a lot of kind of admin work you got a bit of an insight into kind of what goes on uh but i think during that time i kind of figured out that it's kind of boring and not <laughs> something that i wanted to do um and kind of towards the final year of college i had a couple of um seniors who had gotten into the industry so i was just talking to them about it and um you know it sounded like something i'd be good at you know talking to people 
having coffee, making money. Um, so then I just um, kind of asked my friend Apurva, who's still working here, if mm-hmm. she'd be open to refer me over, um, and she did. And then I did the assessment center at Ambition, which was during a very stressful time. It was bang in the middle of my final exams. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, everything worked out, and uh, that's kind of how I got into it. Okay. And what did your parents feel about it? Um, I mean, they've always been pretty liberal, generally, in terms okay. of um, kind of my professional decision-making, what I want to do. Um, they m- probably don't have an exact idea <laughs> about <laughs> what my job entails, but <laughs> they see I'm pretty happy, so they're, 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 they're okay with it, yeah. So, run me through, um, you know, what, what someone can expect to do on their first day in recruitment. If you sort of think back to your own experiences when you first joined Ambition, you know, run, run me through that. Well, first is probably the CRM training, right? Like, just sit all day and pull on. But if you're talking like proper uh, proper first day, I mean, after like the whole initial kind of beginning week mm. and stuff like that, um, you'd probably be kind of shadowing a more experienced mm. recruiter, kind of seeing how they go about their um, kind of daily um, daily work and stuff like that. So that's, that's quite a good insight into kind of um, what you might be expected to do down the line and also gives you some good kind of on-the-job training and you can really kind of pick their brains as to why they're doing this, what they're doing, stuff like that. And did you find it quite overwhelming on the first day when you are shadowing someone else? Um, I think it's okay. Um, I think what you have to kind of be mindful of is to go in with a bit of a more inquisitive mindset. So definitely mm-hmm. go in and kind of, um, you know, ask the whys as to why they're asking this, what's the kind of end goal um, and stuff like that. So I, I think it's pretty okay. I mean, it's, it's not like anyone's very like rude here so it's, they won't kind of tell you off so they, they, they're pretty open to kind of sharing why they're doing things and very open to kind of learn and um, kind of teach you the ropes in that sense. So how long did it take for you to when you were shadowing someone how long did it take you then to get to actually run your own interviews or you know be able mm-hmm. to go to a client meeting on your own for instance and I'm keen to know kind yeah. of that whole transition really because I think someone trying to enter into recruitment or that has never had a recruitment job before it can be really daunting and not really know as much as they have interviews it's still on the first day completely completely different so run me through kind of the, the progression that you went through yeah definitely so I think initially when you start off you're probably going to start off a little bit more on the candidate side okay. um, it's pretty um, I don't think any company is going to put you in front of a client that gives you money just on your first day probably not the best thing for reputation so I think you initially mm-hmm. start off on the candidate side you um, kind of shadow a few calls you go into a few meetings learn how to interview candidates stuff like that um, probably then you know you, you will get a few kind of targets um, as to kind of you know maybe arrange like five to seven candidate regs every week. So run me um, through what that means to someone not done recruitment. What does candidate regs mean? Essentially, you ask someone to come in and then talk about the whole employment history with them down to every detail and also find out what they're looking for and stuff um, and basically on that front. Um, so I think initially when you're doing it, you will have someone kind of mentoring you in a way or kind of sitting mm-hmm. in um, until you kind of um, get more and more independent than you eventually kind of start leading them and then probably after like you know maybe 10 to 15 you can you should be in a position to kind of run your own regs right so you get someone watching how you conduct those interviews exactly so first so first you'll probably be shadowing someone then Mm -hmm. you know kind of start to take more and more of a lead as they're supervising and then eventually you probably will be looking to run your own candidate regs as well Um, then probably, you know, from there, um, moving on to the other side, you'll be doing a bit more on the business development, dealing with mm-hmm. clients, client meetings. Um, I think usually it's kind of going along with the more ex- kind of experienced consultant. Mm-hmm. And this is where you should probably try to be a bit more proactive and, you know, try to ask along a few people in the office if you can just kind of tag along with them to meetings and stuff like that. Because um, oh. ev- everyone really has a different 
like a different style, right? So it's pretty interesting to see the way people go about it. And I think that can kind of give you some ideas in terms of kind of developing your own way to kind of handle those meetings and run those meetings. Did that help for you when you went along with other with other consultants to get to know the style that you are today? Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, because I've been do meetings with a lot of people in the office and you usually just try to pick up the things that, you know, would, mm. would kind of make sense or kind of that, that you feel had an impact on the client or kind of um, made them see you as more credible or, you know, um, kind of gave you that buy-in. So you just try to pick up those small things here and there. Um, and I think that's pretty helpful. And definitely, I think going initially in like the first kind of three, six months to all those meetings with all those different people definitely developed my style to what it is now. So describe it. Describe your, describe your style to me. If um, I'm a client, what would I get if you, if you walked into the room? Completely blown away by charm. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you go obviously. in, obviously, you know, you go in, you have to have a pretty good level of, um, you know, energy, uh, first thing to start with, you want to kind of build rapport, but at the same time, you also want to kind of judge the client and um, kind of judge their style, right? Like if, if they are a little bit more mellow, you ideally try to match that. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they are also kind of more, you know, high energy um, or, or kind of that. So so you ideally want to match the style that kind of they have as well. Was that um, difficult to, Was that difficult in the early days to be able to definitely. adjust your style, especially if you've come from quite a high yeah. energy person to then maybe facing off to someone that is maybe an introvert? You know, talk me through that adjustment for especially for consult especially for listeners out there mm-hmm. that are entering into it or they're new to recruitment how they do them or even consultants that are moving into a more of a client facing role so how do you make that transition what do you need to learn to be able to adjust yeah. in those meetings i think um the disc trainings with you helped <laughs> oh, i so didn't push you towards that at all but well, thank you very much <laughs> yeah so I, I think definitely um you right. do need some form of you know external knowledge or external mm-hmm. training to get an idea as to what those other personality types might be what they might respond to best and then ideally you want to kind of change your style a little bit mm. um to match that obviously you're not going to be in a position very soon where you can completely adapt to that style or really kind of portray yourself that way yeah because you don't um, want to be in, you don't want to be sort of you, inauthentic you don't want to be not yourself right like yeah because yeah, because yeah. people can see through that as well so yeah. it's just about making those subtle adjustments so you know yeah. like even as simple as maybe just like um probably pacing yourself when you speak or sl- at a slightly kind of lower pace um that's slightly lower volume mm-hmm. um maybe picking a coffee place that's not that busy you know stuff like that um i think e- even those small things really matter um so yeah i think i think it's just about uh, it probably takes some time as well so um you know definitely that the more you kind of try the more you try different things Th- this is not something that you can just learn theoretically you got to actually put it into practice mm. and um kind of see how that's working as well was there anything from a particular consultant whether there's still ambition here or not you don't have to mention names it's all good but was there anyone that um Two questions in this. Someone that really inspired you when you went out on a client meeting went, mm-hmm. oh my God, I just love that, that, how they handled that or, or, or their style or whatever that might be. And then the other question is, what did you see that you went, oh my God, I'm so never going to do that? <laughs> um, I think one person probably is Lester. Um, so he's mm-hmm. the director, he's my manager. Mm-hmm. I think his, his market knowledge is probably something that, you know, when, when you go to a meeting with him, you're like, wow, I wish I knew this much about kind of um, my market and what I'm doing. Wow. So he's been pretty specialized in commodities throughout, right? So right. he knows basically everything. He knows lots of people. And, you know, when you are kind of speaking to someone and I kind of not only on the kind of, recruitment front but also technically in terms of the industry and also like the changes and things like that right, and so on top quite of well that read on it, quite well it? read and he also knows a lot of 
uh, people. So he that helps when you're like name dropping or kind of meeting someone more senior. It's like, oh, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Right. And that I think has that buy-in and that credibility for sure. Yeah. Right. So did you um, then take that, take a little bit of that and do that in your own? Yeah, so that that's what, right. So I think um, obviously it helps to recruit into a space that you're interested in. So mm. um, in terms of general news, market updates and stuff like that, um, it's it's probably a little easier to keep on top of things because you generally like reading about that stuff and kind of what's happening. Mm. Um, so definitely like you also need to do a lot of more research and stuff like that. So I've been, I've been definitely reading a lot more, you know, um, news yeah. or um, kind of a lot more videos or uh, yeah. just a lot even, even like a lot more podcasts into that space now yeah because there's there's more out there now right i mean For sure. my, yeah. my day i'm showing my age but you know there wasn't an Newspapers. awful lot of yeah it was literally the straight times like yeah. sort of trawling through yeah. um there wasn't an awful lot but now there's just so much more information um yeah. especially with sort of linkedin and just sort of people movements yeah and, you can put yeah. like google alerts so mm. like every day you get a get a heads up i am straight in your inbox even just like scrolling linkedin there's a lot going on you can follow yeah. like hashtags you can be part of groups so yeah. there's definitely a a lot more information out there now. Yeah, that's really good advice. Now, tell me a nice juicy story of someone you've gone out on a client meeting and it's just oh, <laughs> awful. I don't ever want to be like that in a client meeting. Honestly. Don't tell me that that's never happened to him. Um, Come on. I mean, like, obviously, every, every meeting is not going to be like a home run, right? Um, <laughs> but... I, I think there's definitely never been a meeting where I've come out and been like, whoa, that was shit. Really? God, um, I've been on loads. <laughs> <laughs> like, there the, 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 the have been somewhere I'm like, okay, this is like a waste of time. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, Let's but is there anything where, you, where you've gone out with someone or even yourself and yeah, honestly, it's Yeah, probably one with me. So I'm thinking about it now where um, I think there was this client that was recruiting for something back in like a while back and I'd reached out and we had met and I was just kind of keeping in touch with him um, and I was like hey it's been a while since we've met do you want to catch up so we did so we went for coffee and kind of I think um, I think like five minutes in we realized that he had nothing and I had really not much as well so, <laughs> so it was a really awkward it was so awkward for like the first what, 15 minutes what even you couldn't find anything and to I was, talk and then about I was trying and somehow we came on the topic of cryptocurrency and I have no idea what that is like I still don't understand blockchain um, so I, I don't know how I managed to hold the conversation for like the next 20 minutes and as soon as it hit 30 minute mark I was like alright I'm out see so you, you really had to think on your feet um, you just literally yeah. had to find a topic that kind of went and you could see that he was interested then you jumped on it that was like the most the probably the highest number of awkward silences I've had in a yeah. conversation in my entire life yeah. so that I, was that was a bad one no I think that's a good example I mean I'd, I'd say when I sort of first started and, and even sort of when you have experience when you're going out on meetings like it can be times where it is there is something awkward that happens but I think it's great when you first start in recruitment mm-hmm. to get to know different people but even in your in your career when you've been there five years ten years is still to go out with different people you know if you've For got sure, another yeah. person come from a Hong Kong office or Japan office or wherever that might be is going out with them because I think that's the beauty of recruitment is you can change your style slightly yeah. you might see different ways of doing things and it's just it's just kind of not reinventing yourself but it's it's good to see the different styles that you can perhaps bring to either a client or candidate experience, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, my next question is, um, what can someone expect sort of in there? We, we talked about a little bit on sort of the mm-hmm. first few weeks, but what can someone expect in their sort of first months or three months in a year in recruitment? Like what's that kind of journey look like in terms of sort of a role? 
Yes, I think um, first month, I mean, like I had mentioned, you're probably going to be, you know, shadowing someone who's a Mm -hmm. bit more experienced and probably initially kind of picking up um, the candidate side, really learning, um, you know, a bit more about your market, which comes from speaking to people. At this point, you ideally want to be doing some external research as well, uh, Mm -hmm. particularly if you're more in a more kind of technical area, like a technology or a banking or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Then probably, you know, as you are kind of picking that stuff up, maybe two, three months in, you ideally want to kind of get a hang of the business development client relationship how you go about kind of sell yourself sell sell ambitions sell the brand right um i think that's probably like in 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 my opinion probably takes about six to nine months to get going properly what's the toughest part of that role then you know when you learn, you, you, you're building relationships with candidates you've been out you have to you know know how to navigate around a database mm-hmm. then you're progressing to the client side and, and as you said before you know like you know when you understand personalities or buyer styles etc which part of that whole process in the first sort of six to nine months would you say was the most challenging for you? I think it's definitely like kind of building your own PVP or your personal mm. value proposition or your mm. your own kind of brand. Because I mean, it's, it's, it's such a competitive industry, like, and it's such a homogeneous industry as well. The only real yeah. differentiator is the, your kind of network and True. the kind of things that you can build on that front. Um, so I think kind of separating yourself from the crowd because each person each HR, each hiring manager is probably going to get, you know, at least five, seven, ten calls for each yeah. role that they might be looking for. And everyone might Ex- sound exactly <laughs> the same. Exactly. So it's just about yeah. kind of differentiating yourself. And I think mm. that was probably the main challenge. Yeah. So talk me through that. What, you know, what, why was it a challenge for you? How did you overcome it? Or how yeah. are you continually overcoming it? Yeah. So I think one thing that helps is the company that you work for in terms of getting that initial kind of foot in the door. So I think mm. Ambition generally has a good brand across yeah. uh, most clients that we work with. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, when you hear, oh, we speak about Ambition, they're going to yeah. hang up the phone, right? Because yeah. they've had yeah. like a bad experience in the past, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, so that helps. We have kind of um, a strong PSL, stuff like that. So that helps kind of getting your foot in the door. But then it's, it's more about kind of what you do in that meeting or kind of what you do over that phone call um, that really kind of sets you apart. So I think definitely a lot of pr- like, preparation yeah a lot of um prep kind looks of like what movements in the, um prep looks like knowing where the candidates are coming from which other bank has this setup which other company has a setup what are the newer trends that people are moving into what are some of the projects that are going on right, here so understanding what's going on elsewhere that you have something to offer them in terms of information and knowledge and exactly it's okay. like what are you bringing to the table right that yeah. will be useful for them so yeah. i think just really highlighting that initially what's in it for them building that wrapper or just being a little more likable than everyone else i think that's honestly just the main thing because people like to work with people that they like they do so so i know that seems easy for you you just you know someone that they like (laughs) but how how do you do that is it the humor part because i mean i know you're all you you, i mean you are a successful consultant ambition and i know you're serious about what you do but you're also very quite light-hearted and and um very positive and lots of energy so um for someone that doesn't necessarily, that is perhaps a little bit more introverted, how can they get across over the phone or in that meeting that they are, um, they are likable? Like, like me, like me, use me, use me. Again, I think um, it's just about, it comes down to building rapport. I'd like, um, I think I definitely get along with a certain type of yeah. personality, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I can still kind of 
um, get along with other people. That's because you can kind of adjust to switch your style yeah. depending on who you're with. And this just comes back again to kind of in in that kind of first five minutes of a meeting, kind of you know seeing the other person in terms of how they respond to some things that you're doing, mm. um, their kind of body language generally. Mm. Um, so just picking up on those little clues and probably adjusting your approach in that right. way. So I, lots I think of open-ended questions initially, just to kind of exactly. unearth what yeah. who they are, where they are. And on one that other kind of thing, and I, and I cannot stress this enough, and I hate it. Small talk. It's so important. I hate it. Oh, see, I love a bit of small talk. The English love a bit of small talk. It's always about the weather or, you know, did you get here okay? Well, obviously they got here okay. You're here. But yeah, we love a bit of small (laughs) talk. It's not your thing. Yeah, so that's what I like. I I hated doing that in the first kind of three, six months. And that's always okay because you're usually like shouting along with someone more experienced who's usually doing that for you. Right, okay. Uh, But then when you kind of have to run your own meeting and you know kind of uh, go alone or something like that then okay. you have to do it and that's something I've been kind of picking up on so mm. and um, it's the silences as well I suppose silences, is, exactly. is making sure that um, you can either fill it or you're confident with that mm-hmm. pause so and, yeah. yeah so one tip probably is try to pick up on something around you just to like start a conversation mm. um, instead of you know oh how's the weather how are you doing yeah. or how's work just pick up on something like you know maybe something in the cafe or, yeah. or, or you how's know, the weekend or you know yeah yeah how, how's the weekend yeah. a good one but then it's like Thursday what do you yeah. say <laughs> or, or, how, or how did last week look for like, like for you or what does the rest of the day look like for yeah. you it's like yeah. that open ended that just allows them to have some space to talk and it and it's about them right so that it's exactly that it's something that they are an expert on yeah um, so yeah. small talk's actually an art it is yeah I haven't really mastered it yet but yeah, but it's very important. I wonder if there's like some kind of podcast on small talk. I mean, it'd be interesting. There's some kind of learning on that. I don't part know. Part two. Yeah, part two. <laughs> okay, so we talked about sort of what had that sort of progression then, didn't we, in terms of sort of first month and three months and then sort of getting in front of the client. Um, was there anything that kind of really surprised you with the role, you know, in terms of your expectations? Mm-hmm. Or anything sort of that, that surprised you sort of good and bad from sort of um, when you first started? Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Was there anything that kind of really surprised you with the role, you know, in terms of your expectations or anything sort of that, that surprised you sort of good and bad? From sort of um, um, when you first started, I think a good surprise was general culture in the recruitment industry and at the company. Okay. Um, so obviously, it was my kind of first professional experience. Yeah. And now that I have quite a few friends in different industries, and I mm. speak to like that generally about like company and stuff like that, um, it's just generally about you know like the the kind of um, general culture in the office. So it's very obviously it's like open open plan, mm. open flow. Uh, yeah. But also it's like yeah, you, there might be hierarchy in terms of titles, but you can literally shout anything you want on the floor and no one's going to bat an I eye. Just did a, I just did a minute exactly. ago. Exactly, yeah. You just came in and shouted and, and, and everyone was just like, yeah, was fine with that. I didn't get chucked exactly. out. So it's, it's, it's completely normal. <laughs> I, I think that, that was a really good surprise. I think um, the general kind of vibe of a high-performing recruitment office when they're doing well, that's unmatched. <laughs> I think it's just really like, this is really fun kind of coming into work, mm. you know, like I, and I think especially at Ambition, we're uh, probably a team of about 50, right? So everyone's quite close as well. Mm. Um, so we knew, so we 
know each other quite well personally. So that's just, you know, it's like coming in and just working with a bunch of friends. So that sort of surprised you. You didn't expect that. That kind of camaraderie yeah. or that type of um, culture. So that was good. Mm. Yeah. Even like, you know, you can go up and speak to your MD and not think about what you're saying. Yeah. That you're not kind sort of, of tucked in an office exactly. somewhere and you yeah. need to have an appointment. So you, okay, you can, you can yeah. like literally be yourself. I know that, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, be yourself, be yourself at work, but you can actually be yourself and not worry yeah. about like getting sued. <laughs> yeah. What else what else surprised you? What else do you like that mm. you didn't quite think it would be like that? Another one is probably the autonomy. Mm. Um so it, it is I know you probably hear this a lot out there. It is actually like running your own little business and your own little yeah, desk. Absolutely. So, yeah, you definitely have your own, you know, kind of PL in your mind. Yeah. Um, you know, because unless you're making money for the company, you're a cost. So, yeah. I mean, th- so that's the thing, right? I think that's the main thing. Is that good? Um, and, is that good and bad then? It's good and bad. Yeah. If you if you can deal with that, then it's good. Yeah. If that kind of gnaws at you all the time, and if you have like a bad month or two, and you can't really pick up from that, then it can be like a just a hole that you keep digging deeper yeah. and deeper in. Because I think that's a really interesting one you bring up. I think you're absolutely right that you are running your own business. You decide that day, that week, what your diary looks like. You yeah. decide on whether you you're seeing time. that client yeah. at, at, in the evening for dinner or whether you're going out at lunchtime with a candidate. You decide, you dictate what that week looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I love that freedom around exactly. recruitment. Yeah. But then there is that sort of, you are constantly living every month, every quarter on your site from zero again. Yeah. You know, if you're a, if you're a contingent recruiter as opposed to maybe a, maybe a, maybe a contract recruiter, for instance. Um, so, that takes a certain level of strength or resilience then of someone, right? So yeah. if there's someone out there that that doesn't that knows in themselves they're not that agile, they're not they don't bounce back <laughs> as easy as perhaps others. Recruitment's probably not right for them, right? Because it is quite a. Um, yeah, maybe not. I think you really have to be mentally strong, mm. um, especially during those kind of you know down periods where you may not have you know made money or like a significant amount. Yeah, of you got to pick yourself like, up. So how did you know then? Or did you know that you were mentally strong enough to be able to bounce back and have that resilience to be in recruitment? Yeah, so I think that's just like when you're having a bit of a bad period, I think obviously having a good support around you helps. Right, okay. Um, so they pick you like, up. But also, they. I mean, you just like, it's usually because you've ignored the basics, right? It's yeah. just about getting back to the basics, just kind of sending those advice. CVs out, booking those first interviews. Um, and I think like before you know it, you'll probably be uh, back in the swing of things. Yeah. So you just got to stick to the basics and make sure that you're doing those. Um, and that probably gets you back to where you need to be. What, um, what were the things about the role that you th- that um, surprised you in a bad way? Bad way? Um, initially, probably... I mean, okay, it didn't really surprise me. I was ready for it. But yeah. the, the hours can be pretty intense in the first, yeah. you know, kind of um, three, what, six... What, that's me now (laughs) I do I do love the work-life balance now which is not something you'd hear in a recruitment podcast for sure but no in 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 the first six to nine months you are putting in 10 to 12 hour shifts very often right um and that just again comes down to I mean given the competition out there right you need to kind of put in that graft put in that work to kind of build your network build your connections Mm. um and really get yourself out there in the market you've got you you got numbers you've got a target against your your name right yeah Yeah. and you ideally want to kind of get independent get things going as soon as possible another bad thing that surprised me is probably how emotionally invested you get right in what way so in 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 every like process that you're involved in um because you do like literally just put yourself out there as a as a as a person right so you are completely all in with every process um it it and things go wrong pretty often <laughs> this is a yeah. role where not 
everything is in your control. Emotional roller coaster, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So like the the kind of you know the backouts, the dropouts, the people pulling out of jobs two days before they start. Yeah. That is that takes like that hits you um, initially for sure. Um, I think so that resilience comes into it again, but it's again, emotion. Yeah. It's also a lot of that emotion and emotional um, strength, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I also think, um, you know, kind of, you probably learn to do it a little later in your career. Like it probably took me like 18 to 20 months um, to kind of stop stressing about things that weren't in my control. Right. Example, okay. if there was like an off out and the person was like, oh, let me think about it. I'll, I'll get back to you tomorrow. I probably have trouble sleeping that night. Hmm. So stuff like that. And then obviously when you get, get more experience. Though? It does. I don't yeah. think it ever got better with me. I'd still really? be up. No, never. I sleep like I'd, a baby oh now. Oh no, no, I, I couldn't. I'd be, I'd be there with yeah. all, all my nails would be bitten down to the, to the core. Now, for someone entering into recruitment for the first time, or maybe it's mm-hmm. their second job. Now, what kind of factors should they consider when joining a recruitment firm? Do you think? This is a good what question. Would you have known? Um, what, would you, what would you have liked to have known? So I think, honestly, this is the kind of role that's pretty similar everywhere you go right um, yeah. I mean unless they have like a different structure stuff yeah, like that but, pretty, but more or less it's if like technically it's going to be the same thing no matter where you yeah. go um, one obviously so like even, even commission wise more or less it's going to be similar yeah. that's one thing probably check if the company has discretionary commission or yeah. kind of base because I would not want to work in a place that has discretionary commission <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as everyone thinks honestly. I know but if there's like you I still don't know. make money for sure but um, anyway that's just my personal view um so given that you know it is going to be very similar in a lot of ways i Mm. think what you should probably focus on is one is probably the the infrastructure and the support that the firm Mm. can provide you Mm. that's in terms of you know kind of client network development training um then probably yeah then probably look at growth right um in terms of kind of first figure out what you want to do do you want to be an individual builder do you want to manage and you know when you are definitely having those conversations you want to also find out how that company kind of grows that people do they have their own autonomy to choose what they want to do do they not that's important and i think third thing and this is probably the most important one is just gut feeling right because when you when you meet the people that you're interviewing with the kind of leaders in the business you want to that's the people side exactly the people side of it and i think that's really important because you will be seeing them pretty like every day and they will be the ones what about brand name in the market is that important do you think some people it is to a certain extent um initially but i think at the end of it you kind of learn to create your own brand right right um so i think after like a few years and definitely if you were to like move companies ideally your key clients would move with you yeah so that's the kind of thing that you want to yeah yeah so you do kind of end up creating your own brand so that's that that's more important than the company's brand for sure down the line but initially as a recruiter who's starting out yeah it definitely is helpful getting into a company with a good brand name now I've got a question on here I'm not sure whether you'll know this to be honest it's about sort of the earning potential for Mm -hmm. consultants are you sort of in a position to answer that I know I'm not asking for sort of what your salary is here or anything that'd be a bit yeah of course no I'm I'm, I'm happy to to dabble on that I think um, obviously you know one of the biggest um kind of thing like upsides in in recruitment is obviously Mm. the commission and the the kind of potential to earn an unlimited amount of money theoretically um and i think initially after probably like you know the six to nine month kind of betting in period where you've got a hang of exactly how to do the job gone through that learning curve built your network built a few clients and you're getting into position where you can start consistently billing um i think any like decent recruiter should probably be making you know around six figures a year income wise yeah 
That's really nice. So, so it's a, it's worthwhile. All that emotional roller coaster, the long hours in the first year. That's the only really thing been that, thrown yeah. into the deep end, right? It, yeah. it, you are gonna if you're if you put that kind of effort into it for the first few months, yeah. you're at the position for kind of the end of the year or the following year to then be ramping up on Definitely. the financials. Definitely, it's not so come I think, straight away. Yeah, so I think um, being kind of too greedy for the money for the short-term wins is also not ideal. Yes, so good advice. So you want to get a good base. You want to get. You want to be specialized. You want to know your market. So training development is quite important Very then if important. you're coming in board, whether it's internal or external, but having that development, otherwise you're kind of... Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah? I think okay. that's really important. And yeah, I think, um, you know, kind of once you get into it and yeah, th- there's definitely a high potential on the earnings, but then again, you know, you are kind of putting it out there, but it's it's also a good way to kind of justify the long hours, right? You can actually justify it yourself. Like, oh, if I were to put in these extra two hours yeah, after work today, absolutely. it could lead to an X amount yeah. of money in my bank account. I didn't even realize it was a sales job until uh, until a little <laughs> bit further on when I was at Michael Page, to be honest. I was kind of, oh my God, oh my gosh, wow, I got that bonus. Wow, it's amazing. Nice. And that really, that's just a huge motivator. Um, now, one challenge that comes up a lot in the training sessions I do with um, young puppy recruiters and especially when you look about 15 years old to heal <laughs> I know you're sort of growing the beard thing to you know put on at least a couple more years yeah. um, one of the questions is you know how do they overcome how do those recruiters overcome looking young and inexperienced to clients mm-hmm. you know is this something you've encountered um, you know and if so what kind of advice could you give listeners out there that's something I, I, I still encounter often, right? Do like you? I'm still, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I somehow happen oh, to still be the youngest person in the ambition office. I don't know how. And You're I've worked for two and a half years. What? I know. I, I I had a word with Michael about it. I was like, what are you doing? How can you not hire anyone younger than me yet? Yeah. Um, that is a bit strange. Yeah, no. In fact, there was even like a funny uh, funny time once where I was I was at a client meeting with, with Lester and she told him that he can adopt me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but what do you do? What do you do in the fo- how, how? I mean, obviously over the phone, no one knows how old you are or or, or, or anything mm-hmm. like that, or how long you've been in recruitment, other than looking at your LinkedIn, yeah. obviously. But um, how do you overcome that? So I think again, it comes down to a few things. I think one appearance. Mm. You have to dress well, and you have to look good. No um, way. That just that's not only in terms of like how the client perceives you yes. um, and like having an expensive watch helps <laughs> right I think um, people look at the watch they nice do, watch and it's like a, that's thank nice. you it, it was with my biggest bonus last year oh it is nice, it is nice. <laughs> um, and then I think it also helps you feel better so right. you know once once you kind of do get into um, you know once you do kind of dress up look the part you so definitely feel the part as well in a way then isn't it it is definitely yeah. and, and especially within you know banking financial services you have to kind of look, look that way anyway yeah um, so I think that that's generally uh, pretty helpful I think um, having confidence in what you're saying and what you're doing. For me, I think confidence comes with preparation. Right, right. So I definitely put that preparation in, you know, before every meeting I go mm. to, before anyone who I mm. meet, I know exactly what they've been doing and exactly yeah. what the company been company does and what they've been doing, yeah. what they've been hiring for, our track record with them. So it comes a lot with preparation and I think that helps kind of portray um, yourself yeah. um, in the meeting as well. I have had cases sometimes where you just have to wing it, right? Yeah. You just got to fake it till you make it sometimes. And, yeah, and, and sometimes you're never going to get over the fact that you do look young and they are going to yeah. think you're inexperienced. You are just going to have to say what your track record is. And, exactly. And it, Or even just completely calling it out. Yes, you probably think I've only just entered <laughs> into a recruit. And, and also I think what I always sort of say to the recruiters when they come to me with that question is, 
look, if you have only been in it three or four months, there's nothing you can do to change that. That's fact. Yeah. But what you can say is you're working in a team of consultants mm-hmm. and managers around you that have been operating in this space for 15 years, 20 years. So you're using that kind of royal we because, again, mm-hmm. you're just being a little bit more authentic um, and not hiding the fact that, yeah, I do. I am looking young. For sure. You that, and that's another point I was coming to is to, again, just try to build that rapport early on, right? Like mm-hmm. you want to get that buy-in. You want to build that rapport pretty early into the conversation. And yeah. yeah, I completely agree with you. It helps to kind of fall back on, you know, the company yeah. or the kind of people that you're working with or even like going along initially with like someone a little more experienced. Yeah, I agree. So that definitely helps. I'd also think just, I know I've mentioned this on podcasts before, but for anyone out there that is looking to kind of embrace that a little bit more, just check out the trust equation model from Charles yep. Green because that's a really great, if that's you look on his one. website, he's got the video on YouTube. Um, that's just a great way of being able to break down the, building that trust and how to be more credible, how to be reliable, you know, to show that empathetic side, but mm-hmm. not talking about yourself a lot as well. Um, right. I'm going to go straight on to another question. Um, how different is how different is an agency recruiter role to an HR associate role in an in-house, do you think? I'm sure you've had people or friends that have gone into that in-house. What's what? And if so... I think half the people still think that I work at a, it, I work as an HR person. Um, is I it mean, different? It's a completely different industry. To be honest, right? I think you similar really, role though. Similar role technically, but you, it's two completely different industries with two completely different career paths down the line. Um, each have the pros and cons. I think you really need to know what you're getting into if you're getting into an agency role versus an in-house role. Mm. Um, I think if you're kind of if you generally, you know, like really, really enjoy the kind of talent execution, speaking to people, filling roles um, without necessarily, you know, kind of uh, being too money minded. And maybe you want to develop into more of like a HRBP or you want to, you know, mm. develop a bit more like the HR spectrum, then it makes sense to go into HR role. Yeah. Um, whereas in, in recruitment or an, a- or an agency role, you're picking up also on a completely different skill set, yeah. which is on the B2B sales. Yeah. So that not only gives you the option of, you know, kind of continuing down the line, but it also gives your skill set which is transferable to other career options as well yeah so it just depends on kind of exactly what you want um but then again like it's completely pros and cons right with 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 an hr role you have no sales targets with an agency role some do that i mean i've i mean just for those listeners out there i've got a podcast coming up with um head of talent acquisition for um, one of the financial services firms so that and talking about going from in-house to yeah. going from agency to in-house so we can go into that a little bit more but um, knowing what you know now about the role of a recruitment consultant what advice would you give to your um, not well younger 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 self <laughs> 20 year old me yeah 20 year old you um, I think definitely one thing is to be structured about what I do from the start really kind of have a track on, you know, um, candidates in a certain space, mm-hmm. have like dare sheets, stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I s- still am not very good at that. And that's something I wish I did from the start. And I wish I was still doing now. Um, so that's definitely one thing that I wish mm-hmm. I had done from the start. And that's just, it's just something I'm not very good at in terms of being that kind of detail oriented. Right, so you have to force yourself you onto to that force side. Yourself. Yeah. Exactly. But you know that that is something yeah. to succeed in the role. Yeah. And second is to probably set goals early. Um, right. So once you've kind of gotten, you know, set set yourself a goal to, you know, probably your first promotion or like your first number of placements or, or, or something like that. And then kind yeah. of work backwards as to how you're going to do it. Now, I know when we caught up last for the accountability mm. training, what was the book you were reading again that was tying into oh, the that goals, was right? The, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. You yeah. liked that, didn't you? I really liked that. I think that really gave me a very goal oriented mindset. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's a really good read for anyone who might 
want to kind of check that cool. out. Cool. Thank you for that. Now, recruitment firms are working hard to attract, retain, develop their talent pool in this competitive market from development plans and fancy latte mm-hmm. machines <laughs> and CSR days, planting trees and much, much more. Now, to give all those business leaders out there a little bit more insight into into your kind of, are you a millennial? I never know. You're 20. What I don't are know. you? I, I hear different things. What um, letter are you? <laughs> Doesn't I, matter. I, you I, I don't know if I'm a millennial or if I'm a Gen Z. I'm born in 96. I don't know whatever, right, okay. whatever that is. But whatever, whatever that is. Um, what are the things that motivates you to stay and perform at your highest level within the company? Mm, so I think, obviously, you know, like the the drinks, the coffees, the lunches, all of those help. Do you like the social um, side of that? I, I do like the social internal, side of it. The internal side or with clients yeah. and candidates? Well, Which, both, right? I, both. I think definitely a, a, a big perk of the job is to... Um, the social is to element kind of, side. Yeah, it's to kind of... T- is to kind of like take a client out to a nice lunch. Like that's definitely mm. a book of the job, right? Like spending 50, 70, $100 a head yeah, on a I lunch. Admit, that that, that kind of kept me in it as well. <laughs> exactly. So you, I mean, you, you also have to learn to enjoy yourself, but also within kind of reason, like yeah. don't take the piss, right? It's kind of a perk. Yeah, it? it's a perk. Um, so that definitely helps. Um, but I think honestly, like more than anything else, the thing that really keeps you motivated is to kind of having a continued level of trust and autonomy and um, kind of what you're doing, but also at the same time giving you the platform and the support to really mm. grow and kind of go in the direction that you want to. So I, w- I would hate to be in a place where, you know, I'm kind of told where to go. Um, I mean, it's, it's good to have a direction and I want to kind of also, I, like, I want to be part of that decision making in terms of okay. where, where we want to go. Okay. So again, having that trust, having that autonomy is definitely more mm. important than any coffee machine or you know, okay. kind of drinks that okay. you're putting in. Is there anything else? There's another, like a third one that's important to you? Uh, just about, yeah. And like also like growth, right? Like down the line, like where, where can I go? What can this lead to? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's definitely. So having sort of motivated. a structured plan, then, and as much as you want that space, you also want to know that that's that, that leaders are being transparent with what where what is the career growth exactly. for someone like yourself or others in the business. Yeah. and also okay. yeah, like when you say something, stick to it. Don't go back on your word. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Thank you very much. Anyone out there? That's how you and that's how you engage with the youngsters. Um, so d- now I know the time's sort of getting, so I'm gonna gonna hit the last three questions. Yeah. So, are there any tools that you use that's really helped you as a recruiter, other than LinkedIn, obviously? Honestly, software-wise, not too much. Okay. One thing that I probably think helped me the most is to my ears right it's just about active listening a lot of the time okay. when you especially in your initial kind of part when you're speaking to candidates speaking to clients you really want to hear what they're saying and try to make the most of it because a lot of the time what you hear from candidates is what you re- like repeat in client meetings that gives them okay like, so it's gathering all that information from yeah. all different sources whether it's but also making sense of it, right? yeah. yeah and interpreting that and being able to use that in, in other contexts. Yeah. So I think that's probably yeah, the most important thing. What skills do you think a recruiter needs for the future to stay competitive? Um, I think one is deep relationships, mm-hmm. mm, credibility, ability to influence and market knowledge. Like it. Ability to influence. So how yeah. does someone out there look at trying to be able to influence? So again, like, you know, if you should have that buy-in from the client where if you've sent five CVs and they've come back to interview two, but at the same time, you feel like you should be getting more interviews, you can actually push back and okay, give a valid reasoning where they will okay. hear you yeah. and they will be like, you know what, you're right. And then, you know, like that is one ability. The other is, you know, just being more consultative generally, like having that bind where they come to you and they ask, oh, this is how much I'm thinking, you know, for offering or like, you know, can you tell me what's going on out there? And just generally mm. being more consultative. I think yeah. that's important. And that is what kind of separates you from the rest of the competi- competition or keeps you differentiated 
And I think that would be the main difference between any other kind of person out there versus you. Mm, no, I like that. Now, my final question. What does success look like for you in this role at Ambition? Well, probably an incentive trip to Bali every month. <laughs> that would be nice. Well, you're going to Bali um, in January, aren't we you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I've just found out that I'm there the same weekend. Well, yeah, nice. <laughs> I'm going to avoid you guys like a plague. I'll probably hear you from the other you side might. of the island. And I'll hear that laugh as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think success looks like, um, you know, just being the first point of contact for clients and candidates. Okay. I think success doesn't have to do with titles, doesn't have to do much with, I mean, money is a byproduct of it, but doesn't have to do with money. Um, it's more about just being a genuine consultant and a proper trusted advisor to all of my business partners. I love that. What a great way to end a podcast, Thank Sahil. Thank you very much. You've been an absolute delight, as always. It's flown by. It has absolutely wow. flown by. Thank you so much for all those listening out there that are thinking of getting into recruitment or have just started in it um, or are looking at going into a client-facing role, for instance. Um, I really hope that you'll enjoy the podcast by Sahil at Ambition. So reach out if you want to talk more to him or and, and you know check out the podcast and I hope you enjoy it. Over and out. Thanks, Sahil. Thank you. Bye. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by The Career Establishment. To learn more about The Career Establishment, our people and our latest thinking, visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.